You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. What's good, boys and girls? Welcome to Two Footed Podcast. It is Friday, the 22nd of January, another week in the books. We're brought to you by EPLindex.com in association with our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, so do check out their services at LibertyShield.com. Also check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk for any homeware or giftware needs. Right, folks, you reach me on a bad day. I'm having a bad day. Liverpool lost to Burnley last night. Their 68-game unbeaten Premier League run at Anfield is over. And it ended in very disappointing fashion. Now, let me start by saying massive credit to Burnley. They came with a game plan. They stuck to their game plan. They defended brilliantly. Unlike Aston Villa against City, who were credited with defending brilliantly, Burnley actually defended brilliantly. Nick Pope made a couple of big saves when he was called on. Tarkovsky and me headed and kicked everything that came near them. The three fullbacks who played, Loughton on the right, Taylor and then Peters on the left, all stuck to their tasks endlessly. The midfield pair of Westwood and Brownhill worked non-stop, despite having very, very little of the ball. They closed the passing lanes, they frustrated Liverpool, they kept Liverpool in front of them, and they come away with three points after Ashley Barnes scores a penalty that he himself won in the 83rd minute. Massive credit to Burnley, it's a huge win for them. 
I've been saying since I started this podcast, I'm a huge fan of Sean Dyche. I think he gets far more out of his team than anyone else. They jump to 16 spot. They are two points clear of Brighton. They have a game in hand on Brighton. They're now level on points with Newcastle. Same amount of games played, but they're trending in the right direction and Newcastle are trending in the wrong direction. Consider that in the last 12 games, Burnley have won five and drawn three. After a rotten start, they've turned things around and they're going very, very well. So massive credit to them. They should enjoy the victory. They deserve it. For Liverpool, it's a time for some self-reflection. It's a time to look back at that 68-game unbeaten run and be very, very proud of it. It's an incredible achievement. It's almost four full seasons of home games. Like That's amazing to do that. They had moments last night where it looked like things were starting to click. But all in all, it was the same performance that we saw against Manchester United at the weekend, against Newcastle, against Southampton, against West Brom, against Fulham. Liverpool have not been good for a few months now. They haven't really been good this season. They've had a couple of good performances. Chelsea, Arsenal, Leicester, Wolves, Palace, obviously, Atalanta in the in the Champions League away. But aside from that, they've been largely poor. And if you go back to the start of Project Restart last season, they were largely poor from there as well. 2020 was not a good year for Liverpool overall. They won the title, obviously, so that was incredible. But in terms of form... There was a definite drop-off from about February until now, basically. It's been 11 months of inconsistency, not looking the same threat going forward. Now, this season, it's more drastic. And this season, you know, the the lack of Virgil van Dijk is, is telling. The leader, the organizer, the best player, the most important player in the team. You take the best, most important player out of any team, they're going to struggle. Um, especially in a tight league like this. Take De Bruyne out of City this season. They wouldn't be top or second. Take Bruno out of United. They wouldn't be top. Vardy from Leicester. Kane. You know, we've seen Everton struggle without some of their best players. They don't have anybody of the level of Virgil, but they had some problems this season when James was out of the team. When Richarlison was out of the team, they were even worse. So it happens. You know, it happens. You have bad runs of form. This is five games in the league now without a win. Only three points taken. No goals in the last four games. It's on the manager now to fix it. And there's no question that the entire Liverpool fan base is behind the manager. Nobody has any doubts that Jurgen Klopp will turn this around. But this team and this manager, they've never been in this position before. Not at Liverpool. Klopp went through it at Dortmund. 
didn't really manage to turn it around. But he's more experienced now. He's got a better group of players. He's not seven years into the the slog of the job. Jurgen Klopp will figure this out. He's too good not to. The players will turn things around. They're too good not to. But Liverpool will not win the Premier League this year. Yesterday in, in the Twitter questions, one of the questions was, what's your top four, your top six? And I said I would stick with my prediction that Liverpool would win the league. I now revise that position. Liverpool will finish second at best. They could well finish fifth or sixth, but I think there's enough quality in that squad to get top four, but they won't win the league. Manchester City are going to win the league this year, barring a disaster. Now, as I say that, De Bruyne is out now for the next couple of weeks, and Sergio Aguero has COVID, and they've struggled without Aguero for large parts of the season. They're going to need Gabi Jesus, Bernardo Silva, Riyad Mahrez, Phil Foden, and Raheem Sterling to all step up massively with him out and with Kevin De Bruyne out. They're going to need those players, but they're top, top players, and they should be able to do it. Liverpool need to turn things around quickly. That's the next thing. They've got Manchester United in the FA Cup at the weekend. That game is probably more important now than it was yesterday morning. Then it's Spurs away in the league. Then West Ham at home. Then Brighton. Sorry, West Ham away. Then Brighton at home. Then Manchester City at home. Then Leicester away. Then Leipzig in the Champions League. Then Everton at home. Then Sheffield United away. And then Fulham at home to start March. So it is a difficult run. There's no question. They're playing three of the top... Sorry, four of the top six teams in the league in this spell, plus West Ham, who are seventh, who are playing very, very well this season. Um, The Brighton, Sheffield, United and Fulham games, Liverpool can't afford to lose them. They can't afford to lose many of the others either. They can't really afford many more draws at this point either. They've already got seven this season. They have a week between last night and Tottenham, a week in which they need to sort things out. A week in which Jurgen Klopp needs to figure out how he gets Fabinho back into midfield. Whether that involves playing Jordan Henderson next to Joel Matip, I don't know. Jordan Henderson isn't good at centre-back, but it might be worth the sacrifice to have Fabinho back in midfield. Certainly for some games. The The front three, they're completely out of form. Uh, He left Firmino and Salah on the bench last night, brought them on on 55, and neither played well at all. Uh, Firmino missed a couple of good chances. Salah seemed to get frustrated early. Mane, who started, had one of those games where he slows everything down and isn't effective at all. They're missing some creative spark in midfield whether Naby Keita or Curtis Jones can come into the team and provide that. But they've been really poor for the past five games. 
they've been generally disappointing most of the season. Liverpool fans don't need to remember how good this team were the previous two and a half, well, the previous two seasons. 18-19, phenomenal, win the Champions League, second in the league by one point. 19-20, run away with the league, uh, broke some records. They miss Van Dijk. There's, there's nothing more to it. They miss Virgil van Dijk. And they're exhausted. It's been a long, hard uh, struggle for them. But now is the time to prove that you are the mentality monsters that Jurgen Klopp has long claimed that you are. Now is the time for that. Got to turn it around quickly. For Burnley, like I say, an, an enormous win. A win they wouldn't have expected. They came for a draw. They got a win. It's two bonus points. Jumps them over Brighton. Puts them level with Newcastle. They go to Fulham in the Cup on Sunday. Then they've got Villa at home. Then Chelsea away. Then City at home. So that's a tough run. That's three very difficult games in a row. Then it's Brighton at home. Palace away. In what just reeks of a nil-nil. Burnley at home. Oh, sorry, West Brom at home. Uh, which also reeks of a nil-nil. And then uh, Tottenham away. So four very difficult games, three games where they'll be confident of picking up points. Anything against Spurs, City or Chelsea will be considered a bonus. With the way Chelsea are playing, would you put a pass Burnley to go and get something there? Um, the Villa game as well, at home they might, they might fancy themselves to take something in that game too. So Burnley should continue to pick up points. March towards safety. Uh, I don't think there's any any risk of them getting relegated or anything like that. Dice is too good. He gets you know he gets so much out of those players. Uh, again, massive congratulations to Burnley. Uh, a bad day to be a Liverpool fan. Um, but it is FA Cup weekend, and we should quickly focus on that uh, tonight. Chorley take on Wolves. Wolves could do with the win because they haven't had many in the Premier League of late. They are really struggling uh, to get results. For Chorley, they're likely just happy to be this far. They obviously overcame Derby in the, the third round. And that was the Derby team, obviously, that was decimated by COVID. But, look, they're in the fourth round. That's all the history books will show. But Wolves will be expecting to win. And it's an opportunity for Wolves to get themselves you know, a little bit of form, a little bit of confidence back into the team. Um, tomorrow morning, then, Southampton... Ninth in the Premier League will take on Arsenal. Tenth in the Premier League. Two teams that have had contrasting seasons. Southampton started very, very well. Then had a dip. Turned it around a little bit lately. Though the, the loss to uh, the loss to Leicester at the weekend was was a tough one for them. Uh, Arsenal have been in great form for the last five weeks, I suppose, since the Chelsea game. Um. Smith Rowe playing brilliantly, Saka playing brilliantly, Aubameyang looking lively again, and they're doing bits in the transfer market. They have added Matt Ryan uh, from Brighton as a backup goalkeeper, replacing runner Alex Runnerson, who was just terrible. And um, it looks like Martin Odegaard could arrive as well, and he's a hell of a player. Now, whether that's a loan with an option to buy, 
or just a flat loan. We don't know yet. There's still talk about Buendia in the summer, so maybe the idea is get Odegaard in now, establish the style of play, and then in the summer we'll get Buendia and he'll fill the role and Odegaard can head on his way. If that happens, you'd imagine he plays on the right of the three behind the striker with Smith Rowe as the 10 and maybe Saka goes left wing and then it's Aubameyang or Lacazette up front. I think Arsenal will go with a strong team here because they're they're defending FA Cup winners. And I think Southampton will go with a strong team here because it's a really good chance at some silverware or a path into Europe. You know, if you get to the final against a team that's already in the Champions League, that's, you know, that's an opportunity for you. Um, Then we've got Brighton against Blackpool. Um, Brighton really do need a win here. Um, They obviously, they got a league win against Leeds, but they've been hard to come by for them this season. Blackpool are League One team. Brighton should be beating them comfortably at home. Blackpool did knock out West Brom, though, so they've gotten the taste for giant killing, if you can consider it a giant killing. I, I would consider it a big upset anyway. Um, I'll be interested to see if Graham Potter goes with a strong team here or whether he tries to bring in some of the youngsters, uh, maybe the two Polish boys that arrived, um, that they signed in the summer and have arrived this month. Maybe they they start this game, or at least are involved. Uh, Then it's Millwall versus Bristol, Barnsley versus Norwich, and then Sheffield United against Plymouth Argyle. And that's, again, another massive opportunity for Sheffield United to just take their minds off the league, take their focus off the fact that they're nailed to the bottom of the Premier League, that they look doomed, and just you know, express themselves. Go and have fun. Go and beat Plymouth and get in, get yourselves into the the fifth round of the FA Cup. I think Chris Wilder will take the cup as seriously as he can because he's a he's a realistic man. He probably understands that the league is is a that staying up is a long shot. Winning the FA Cup is obviously an even bigger long shot, but still, you can get to the fifth or sixth round. And that just, it lifts the mood a little bit. West Ham against Doncaster. Again, you'd expect West Ham to progress here. They've been doing very, very well in the Premier League. Doncaster, lower league team, coming to the London Stadium. It's all in West Ham's favour here. I think Moyes will play a strongish team. He's not one for massive rotation anyway. There might be one or two that, you know, Yarmolenko might start. Lanzini could start again. Uh, Mark Noble probably starts this game. We might even see Issa Diop get a game. It, you know, stranger things have happened. But you'd expect uh, West Ham to get themselves through there. Uh, Swansea against Notts Forest. Cheltenham will play host to Manchester City. Uh, City do tend to get very favourable cup draws, don't they? Um, City will will wipe the floor with Cheltenham. There's just there's not a whole lot else to say. City are going to wipe the floor with Cheltenham. Uh, Chelsea against Luton. Uh, Chelsea have you know they've rested the likes of Kurt Zuma, Kai Havertz, and and Timo Werner. You know in anticipation of this big game. Um, Luton are better this season than they were last season, but Chelsea should still beat them. 
quite comfortably. Then it's Fulham and Burnley. Fulham have so much more talent. Burnley have such a much better manager. I think if you swap them round, Fulham are probably ninth. Um, I expect Fulham to win this game because I, I think after you know their exploits on Thursday night, I think we might just see a little bit of a drop in the energy levels of Burnley because they put in an, an incredible shift. Um, so I think Fulham have an opportunity here to uh, to win in advance, even even with the worst manager. I, I think I think Burnley are just going to have a tough time getting you know real energy back into the legs for this one because the amount of work that those midfielders and the defenders got through on on Thursday night against Liverpool was was admirable. Uh, Brentford against Leicester, I think, is one of the games of the weekend. Two exciting teams. Two teams doing well in their respective divisions. Uh, Brentford obviously did well in the EFL Cup as well. Got to the semi-finals, lost to Spurs. Two teams that are loaded for their recruitment. Um, Brentford were one of the first clubs to really go all in on analytics. Uh, they were all in with the stats bomb guys for a number of years. Leicester have obviously recruited brilliantly in the last four years. Look at their team. Look at the fact that they sold Harry Maguire and got better. They sold Ben Chilwell, Chilwell and seem to have gotten better. Um, it, it just goes to show how good they've been run. Leicester will be the favourites, obviously, as Premier League club. But, you know, down at Brentford, it won't be an easy game. That's a lovely new stadium that Brentford have by the looks of things. You'd have to give Brentford a puncher's chance. Manchester United versus Liverpool. Um, well, these two met last weekend, and it was horrific to watch. But I think this one could be different. I do. I think this one could be different for a couple of reasons. Number one, I don't think either team goes full strength, but I still think they'll be strong teams. Number two, since taking over, Ollie has preached that the DNA of Manchester United demands that they attack. Now, we've seen that's just fluff and bluster. We've seen United park the bus at home against Liverpool, against City, against most good teams. But in the FA Cup, Oli might take a different approach. He might just go for the kill. They've just seen Liverpool. And then they watched Liverpool lose last night. So they know that Liverpool are coming into this game in terrible form. They know that Liverpool are vulnerable at the minute. So maybe United go for the kill here. Maybe they open up an attack. If they open up an attack, it creates more opportunities for Liverpool. And Liverpool could well be that wounded animal that, you know, you think looks vulnerable and you approach them and they bite your hand, your hand off. So, I think this promises to be a better game than what we saw last weekend. I would make United favourites. But if Liverpool want to start to show a reaction, this would be the game to do it in. This really would be the game to do it in. Uh, Everton will play Sheffield Wednesday uh, at 8pm on Sunday. Wednesday, obviously, having a rough enough season down there in the relegation mix in the championship. 
in large part because of the six point points deduction they had. They're on their third manager of the season. Uh, big Tony Pulis didn't last long, and they've been better since they fired him. Much to the uh, chagrin of Martin Shreves. But Everton will expect to win this game. And I think I think Carlo will be seriously looking at the FA Cup as a, a path to silverware this season. Uh, Wickham against Spurs. Obviously, you'll expect Spurs to go strong. Jose's been clear he wants to win something this year. They're in the EFL Cup final. I think he'd like to go all the way in the FA Cup as well. I expect a strong team from Spurs. Wickham are having a bad season. They're outmatched in the championship. So I would expect that Spurs will win this game. And then Bournemouth against Crawley on Tuesday. So football all the way from Friday tonight until Tuesday in the FA Cup. That's nice. Uh, even if it's Bournemouth Crawley, it'll be it'll be a decent watch. Bournemouth always play good football. That's the one thing you know. Recently signed Jack Wilshire. Um, so you know, best of luck to him there. I, I'd love to see him be able to stay fit and you know show some of his ability because when he came through at Arsenal at seventeen, eighteen, he looked like he was going to conquer the world. He played Barcelona off the pitch when they had Xavi and Iniesta. He had no fear. He stood up to everybody. Injuries and whatever else ruined him. He never became a better player than that 18-year-old version of himself. It's a big loss for English football in general, for the English national team. was certainly a huge loss for Arsenal. I mean, that was a generational talent that just slipped through their hands. And it's part of the reason that Arsenal declined the way they did. If Jack Grealish had amounted to the player he should have become, he'd be one of the best midfield players in the world right now, and Arsenal would have him in central midfield, because he he never would have left. Jack Wilshire never would have left. He wouldn't have been like the others. He was an Arsenal lad. He wanted to be there. He'd have stayed. And he'd have, he'd have made them very, very good. So that's the cup. A lot of games. 16 games. A lot of good ones. Uh, Chorley Wolves tonight stands out because it's Chorley. Tomorrow, obviously, then, the early game, Saints-Arsenal, that should be a cracker. Of the 3 p.m. kickoffs, I think that Sheffield-Wednesday-Plymouth game is the one that stands out to me, is the one I'd want to watch. And then City-Cheltenham is the late one. On Sunday, it's Chelsea-Luton as the early game. Then I'd say Brentford-Leicester, followed by Liverpool-United, and then Everton-Sheffield-Wednesday. So you can watch most of the games. You can probably get in 10 games this weekend if you want to, including Monday and Tuesday. So, yeah, why wouldn't you? What else are you going to do? It's January. You're in lockdown. What else are you going to do? Sit yourself down. Watch the FA, FA Cup. There's nothing else to be at anyway. Um, We'll finish up with some gossip. Leicester City have ruled out a move for Inter Milan midfielder Christian Eriksen because of his 300 grand a week wages. Now, tactically, it would be an odd fit. I suppose he could play in that James Madison role. Madison could move out to the left wing and Barnes could move across to the right wing. I don't think that you get the best of Barnes or Madison in that situation. But Eriksen's a great player, and if you can bring him in, you probably look at it. 
300 grand a week. I mean, that's three times what he was on at Spurs. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. Whether that's his actual wages or not, who knows. Um, it's a shame for him that his... It's gone. He was obviously so good for Spurs for so many years. And the um, the move to Inter, it was never going to work. Conte doesn't play a, uh, a system that suits Christian Eriksen. It always seemed to me like they bought him with the intention that they'd flip him. That they'd sell him on for a big profit and, and make a ton of money. Uh, and unfortunately, it hasn't worked out like that. So I, I just hope he gets a move somewhere. There's a bunch of clubs could do with Christian Eriksen. He's very, very good. Um, Bayern Munich have confirmed their intention to sign RB Leipzig's 22-year-old defender, Dea Lupa Meccano, in the summer. Manchester United, Manchester City, and others have all displayed interest in Upa Meccano, for whom any deal will not take place until the summer. Yeah, I mean, Bayern can confirm what they want. The bottom line is everybody's going to bid the release clause. And then it comes down to who's going to pay the most wages. Um, and I don't think it'll be Bayern. I genuinely don't. I, I could see him ending up at Real Madrid, been, been honest. Um, or Barcelona, both of whom will need a centre-back. Now, Barca have no money. Real don't have a ton of it either. But, you know, if they're selling Odegaard and Jovic and, and others this summer, they can find the money. Maybe they could offer, maybe they could offer Edel Militao to Leipzig in a swapsy kind of deal with some cash. Um, and that might take Leipzig's fans, uh, fancy. Deli Ali has asked Daniel Levy not to block a potential move to Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, well, that's from 90 minutes, so the chances are it's made up. Uh, I'd imagine he wants to go, but I don't think it's Levy who's blocking any move. I would imagine it's Mourinho. Um... Arsenal want to sign a backup to Scotland left back Kieran Tierney before the end of the January transfer window. That would be wise because obviously they've had to play Saka there a bunch. You want to keep him in attack, develop him in one position or one or two positions. Stop throwing him into defence. He's going to be special. They let Kalasnik go on loan back to Schalke. Um, yeah, there's you know. So, a backup left back makes a lot of sense for Arsenal. Um, as, as did the backup goalkeeper signing in Matt Ryan. Despite interest from from elsewhere, Real Madrid's 22-year-old midfielder is close. Uh, Martin Odegaard is close to completing a move to Arsenal. I think that would be a great signing for Arsenal. I really do think that's a great signing for Arsenal if they can get him. I'm a huge Odegaard fan. I think he's super talented. And I think he'd make a bunch of sense in that team. West Ham have ended their pursuit of Sevilla and Morocco striker Yusuf N. Nesri. They had a £27 million bid rejected because Sevilla won £35 million. Mm, that's from Talk Sports. So my guess is that Sevilla probably won 25 and West Ham bid 17 And that Gold and Sullivan have called up their cronies. and. Uh, and asked for, you know, a little bit of bump. Um, Crystal Palace's Republic of Ireland midfielder James McCarthy is a target for Scottish champion Celtic. I don't want to talk about Celtic because I'll just start ranting about Neil Lennon. 
West Ham could lower their asking price for England midfielder Declan Rice to around 50 million because of the effects of the pandemic. That's some 90 minutes. That's going to be lies. Uh, Burnley have joined West Ham and West Brom in the race to sign Josh King of Bournemouth, who's had a contract in the summer. I'd actually quite like to see him at Burnley. I do think him and Chris Wood would be an interesting pairing. He's got some pace, which is what Burnley desperately desperately need up front. Uh, and he's a decent player. Um, Ex-Manchester United striker Wayne Rooney says he's been excited watching his former team this season and has backed him to win the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, look, if he's excited by, by that, I don't know what to tell him. But they were desperate against Burnley. They were desperate against Liverpool. They were desperate against Fulham. If you're excited by that, the best of luck to you. Um, they've been desperate most of the season. They've won a lot of games. There's no question. They've won a lot of games. They have not played well, most of them. Simple as that. They had a really good five, six game run uh, where they actually did play well aside from that now. No, no, no. Uh, Ecuadorian midfielder Moses Casado is expected to fly to England on Friday to finalize a £4.5 million deal from Independiente del Valle. He's meant to be super talented, um, but he's 19 and from Ecuador, so God knows. Uh, Real Sociedad manager Emanuel Aguasil? I have no idea. Uh, expects to have William Jose available this weekend despite interest in Wolves. Now, apparently, he is quite close to a move to Wolves. I think Wolves want him on a loan with an option to buy. And Sociedad are trying to push for just a straight buy. Uh, Wolves would have to pay about seventeen million to sign him on a permanent basis. He would make a lot of sense in that he's got a similar playing style to Raúl Jiménez. Now he is twenty nine though, and I don't think he can really play them together. So whether he'd be happy to be there and be a backup when Jiménez is back, I've no idea. Marseille manager. Andre Villas-Boas has called Aston Villa's offer for French midfielder Morgan, Morgan Sanson pathetic. Uh, strong words, strong words. Um, I'd expect that Villa were just testing the water and will go back. Karl-Heinz Rummenigge says there was no chance of Bayern Munich selling Leroy Sané despite limited first-team appearances since his move. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's still recovering. Like, he, he's not long back from a torn ACL. He's had a couple of little niggles this season. It's going to take him a season to get back to his you know, regular level of form. They've also got Kingsley Coleman playing out of his skin. And they've got Serge Gnabry. So, of course, there's going to be some settling problems. Of course, he's not going to play every game. Silly, silly rumor. Uh, Everton will ask for $9 million if they sell Bernard. Now, they can ask for it. They're not going to get it, but they can ask for it. Uh, former Manchester City and Ivory Coast midfielder Yaya Toure is set to take his first steps into coaching at Ukrainian side Olympic Donetsk. Um, I'd, I, I wish him all the best. I hope he does very, very well. He obviously spent some time in the city of Donetsk when he was a player, uh, his second club in Europe was Metulia Donetsk. Um, he was there for two years before he, he moved on to Olympiacos. He had quite a strange career to Jaya. Um, 
comes from Ivory from the Ivory Coast, obviously, goes to Belgium for a couple of years, Ukraine for a couple of years, Greece for a year, France for a year, and then lands at Barcelona where he starts to make his name. And then obviously lands at Man City and becomes a star. Uh, goes to Olympiacos, doesn't work, and then he ended up in China for the last little portion of his career. But what a career it was, what a player he was. Uh, I wish him all the best in management. I hope it goes very, very well. Don't know that I'd fancy living in the city of Donetsk, or, uh, given what's going on there the last couple of years. And finally, uh, Manchester United are winning the race to sign Brazilian wonder kid Gabriel Veron who plays as a forward for Palmieri's and has a 53 million release clause. Manchester United are now paying 53 million for an 18-year-old who's only played in Brazil. They're just not going to do it. That's the type of player who's only going to one club, Real Madrid. They're the only ones who will pay that. Maybe Barca, maybe Barca, but Barca, like I said earlier, they have no money. And Real don't have a ton either. I think he's staying with Palmieri's for a year. Um, mega talented kids, mega talented, but there's just no way United are going to pay 53 million for an 18 year old. There's just not a chance. Not so. If they were in the Premier League doing what he's doing, fair enough. But not from the Brazilian league. No chance. Got 10 goals in 35 games, which is an impressive return for such a young player. Um, 8 and 32 this season, so one every four games. Like I say, super, super talented. I just don't see any way United will spend that money. I think they'd be out of their minds to spend them. It'd be different if they had indisputably the best team in the Premier League. And that their 1 through 11 was was locked in and they were delighted with it. And they had some really good depth options. But United still have big holes in the first 11. They still have some big needs in terms of squad options. And an 18-year-old striker won't sit high, or at least shouldn't sit high, on the list of priorities for them. Yeah. Anyway, maybe they will. That's it. That's the show for today. Um, enjoy your weekends. Stay safe. Stay indoors. Wear a mask when you go outdoors. Do all that good stuff. Thank you, as always, for listening. Uh, tell a friend. You know, that'd be nice. Spread the good word. And uh, that's it. Thank you to Guy Drinkle, as always. Thank you to Fox Haunt. We'll see you Monday. Take care of yourselves, folks. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.